and welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season 12, Peaks Chats, The Return. My name is Magellan, and they've got a thing for my badge. It's Alan. <laughs> May I touch? Please touch badge. <laughs> no, no, no. Badge, badge. No, no. We got to take you home, buddy. Badge. Red door. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Alan? I'm doing well, man. I just, um, I was just dancing to that theme song right now, uh, kind of like... Like a little doing like weird hippie dance. I don't know. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. feeling a good vibe. I have a bunch of clothes behind me packed ready to go. See you. Don't tell anyone. Oh, oh my oh, God. It's a secret. Shh. It will have already happened by the time you're hearing this. It happened long ago. It was really fun. Yeah. We're like months ahead. No, I'm just kidding. Like <laughs> or Dude, I fucking <laughs> wish we were months ahead. <laughs> oh, that voice from the distance. Joining us for this episode and our entire coverage of The Return is a friend who's here to help us make sense of it. It's Ryan. Fuck David Lynch, you motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck Gene Kelly, you motherfucker. (laughs) R.I.P. to the legend, Miguel Ferrer. Rest in peace. God bless. Alayt Hamel. Which is Arabic for rest in peace. And uh, that's appropriate for this episode as... Oh, God, uh, I was going to make that transition and I was like, maybe I shouldn't. Well, the episode is called Don't Die. The episode is called Don't Die. <laughs> yeah. What do you, What do multiple characters in this show do I hate this to break episode? it to you. Die yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They, they saw the anime read or die and they chose the second option. Yeah. So this time around, we watched part six of Twin Peaks to Return, which, as we said, is called Don't Die. And uh, it's the second half of the two-hour movie that consists of parts five and part six. I disagree <laughs> with this fundamentally. Fight, right. fight, well, fight. Let's, let me just say who directed it. It was David Lynch. Oh, Written by Mark Frost and David it. Lynch. Aired June <laughs> oh. 11, 2017. Uh, anyway, what? you what, yeah? Do you disagree with my take? Yeah. Okay. Because part seven is just more of this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I, oh, it's a three-part movie. I forget stuff that I've seen. <laughs> chats we forget stuff that we've seen and that's a promise <laughs> what did we think of part six was it just as fun as part five it oh. fucking suck bro <laughs> yeah <laughs> the coop the the cooper dougie stuff i love but everything else i'm just like yikes yeah it's pretty um, miserable and i think I, the return is getting comfortable I think it does. I think this episode does too many, too many shock value stuff in one episode. You know, mm-hmm. it's one yes, thing to do the do the kid. the The scene where the kid dies works for me as a scene, mm-hmm. but in mm-hmm. the same episode as the fucking assassin guy. And the yeah. same episode of is Richard Horn like just being angry all the time. Yeah. It's just like come on, guys. Like yeah, you it's get a it. Pretty dark episode. <laughs> oh, and the and oh and fucking Chad just being the worst piece of shit. Right. I right. don't I uh, my my main problem with it is that it I don't feel like it strikes a good balance between tones. Right. I agree. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, what do you think of it? Yeah, I, I was definitely bummed. I think that the show is more. It's more that it feels like it's coasting. It's getting comfortable with this sort of like banality of violence thesis over and over again, and we're focusing on characters uh, who 
who their entire purpose right now just seems to enact violence. Um, we've yeah. been introduced to characters literally in the last two episodes who are already being killed, and it's like, okay, I get it. Violence is bad, and violence is normalized, and okay, but like, let's get more. Like, I, this, this season is full. It, it the engine propelling it is more and more themes, and when it runs, <laughs> when it burns out on a theme and sticks to the same one for two episodes in a row, it's like. I can already feel the steam running out. Um, and this is an 18 episode se- season. So it's kind of disappointing that we found an episode. Yeah. That I just, yeah, I just feel like the show, this, this season of twin peaks is at its best when it gives you a, spl- a, a very platter of emotions and themes to chew on. Mm-hmm. And that is especially true of the last like stretch of the season. Totally. But for but for this, it's like they're setting up a lot of stuff in like the most miserable way possible that I just felt hollow by the end of it. Mm-hmm. You're like a Dark Souls character. Yeah. <laughs> I also wonder uh I don't know what what the point is. Like I feel like we don't exactly. Yeah. We don't really learn yeah. a lot of new things. No, when when we see our good friend with the scary face in his truck uh, run over a kid, which happens, it's like okay, I already knew that he was terrible. I guess you're just really emphasizing that. And if you're not looking at the credits, the show hasn't told you his name yet. Right. Yeah. No one uh, ever says his name unless you like look at the credits, but it's like, yeah, what what are you guys doing with this guy? I don't yeah. care. Right. And then we already know Chad's a Chad. His name's Chad. Every single solitary line that he said has been <laughs> shitty. So it's like I didn't learn anything new. We learned and- that the person Shelly's fucking with is a scary drug dealer. So that's <laughs> like great. a joker yes. drug dealer. Yes, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> We learned that he's like horrifying. Though I do, I do want to be, I do want to be friends with the guy smiling behind him. The, the guard with the time. rifle, yes. the gun is a friend. That's a Love friend him. for sure. Yes, um, um, Ryan. Actually, speaking of break, are you watching like Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, uh, that character, um, the one that Shelly was looking at, definitely feels like a B tier Breaking Bad villain. He's <laughs> like, yeah, he's just weird. <laughs> he makes he flips a coin. Uh, Sorry, you were saying that. No, I mean, I think it's interesting that you bring up Breaking Bad because there is some of this stuff that maybe part of it for me is uh, it doesn't it it doesn't feel like totally Twin Peaksy. It feels like they literally find Dougie's license plate on top of a cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that shot is in the fucking desert. Are you kidding me? That shot is like the pizza box on the roof (laughs) in Breaking Bad. It looked just like it. it. It, yeah. So I don't know it like it's a little too because the cool thing about Twin Peaks, the original series, is that it's still kind of strange in comparison to Prestige TV. Like there just isn't another show that really does exactly what the original series does. And there's definitely stuff that's happened in the return that is so iconoclastic and unique that that's still true. But then there's stuff like this in this episode where I could have seen a kid get run over on amc or something you know what i mean so yeah. it's not it like i'm not learning much and it also doesn't feel particular to the show and maybe this is just my own like squeamishness about like gore talking yeah. but 
I that's guess. how I'm processing it anyway. But even like stuff like Breaking Bad like has its pace. Like it eases yeah. you into that world. And when things are getting tense, you know what you're in for. Mm-hmm. I feel like this episode is like shock death, shock death, shock death for like the entire episode. At the point where I'm just like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. 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 Um, it is a it's a really strangely paced episode, also. Um, and I get Woman John's saying too, though, that it, it kind of segues right out of the other one. I mean, it does literally open with the scene that is in the credits of the previous episode. So you could have watched mm-hmm. these back to back and had no not missed a beat. The guard outside of uh, Dougie's work is really asking him to leave. I like I whatever. This is a guard who's doing his job, but he's just like, "Sir, are you good?" Are you, do you need do you need help? <laughs> and once again, we, I'm tracking these characters who actually show concern for uh, Dougie Cooper's well being, um, mm-hmm. and for t- for it to be this like security guard, this like wholesome security guard to be like, "Do you are you on drugs?" <laughs> is um, <laughs> it's something I don't know, um, but he wasn't really able to help me. He takes him home though. I had a feeling I was worried that this guy was like someone famous, and it was another weird cameo, and it's not really. The guy's just a another character actor but we get into some really great comedy you know we're talking a lot about the violence of this episode but i think some of the stuff with Janie and sunny jim and dougie here is top tier some of the best the the opening of of, yeah the opening of this episode is like some of my favorite stuff yeah for sure and it's a great ad for chips (laughs) 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 Um, oh man i loved the scene with dougie and Janie e at the dinner table and she's like come here i made you a sandwich why were you gone for so long and then they're like sitting around eating after a long day and there's like a minute have, of them just eating by the way it's so good and uh jd he's like well i have the lines right here she he has a bunch of files from work that uh, his boss wants him to look into because he said the other guy at the insurance company was a liar and he's like okay we'll look at all this stuff um and Janie says and what are these That's him patting them. Coke files. <laughs> I forgot it's full of food. <laughs> it's so hilarious because he says it so matter-of-factly. And then there's another pause. And then he says, case files again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I am almost positive that Kyle McLaughlin was like about to break in that scene. He was like looked a little too pleased with it. You're but right. it, what a funny moment. That case was. files. Yeah. You know. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, these are case files. That's what these are. <laughs> They're eating sandwiches. I love sandwich and chips. That's a great meal to me. I've seen this brand of chips before. Like when you go to like a, a cafeteria or something, this is always the brand of chips that they have. And uh, she tells him to go say goodnight to Sunny Jim. He brings the chips with him. I really want her to be like, leave them. But it makes <laughs> for some great comedy when he's like eating upstairs and he hands one over to Sonny Jim, and Sonny Jim's like, I already brushed my teeth. Like, Sonny Jim's the adult in this. In this <laughs> I haven't brushed my teeth yet. Ooh. <laughs> so that's the key to everything, Ryan. Once that's, again, how you know, everything. that's how you know Sonny, G- Sonny Jim is purely good, is because he right. already brushed he, his he teeth. He brushed his there teeth. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. That's the difference between good and evil. He's free of corruption. <laughs> Um, so they have a cute interaction, and then uh, Janie's like, no, get the hell downstairs, what's going on? I opened this envelope, it has pictures of you and Jade, uh, who's Jade, and uh, <laughs> once again, Dougie has to remind her that Jade gives two rides. Yeah, here, this is the exchange. Jade give two rides. I'll bet she did. 
<laughs> I'll bet the, you. This whole time since the first instance of Jade Give Two Rides, I've been waiting on the edge of my seat for the episode when Naomi Watts says, I'll bet she did. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. it's just so good. Yeah. Oh, something I missed, by the way, from when uh, he's upstairs with Sunny Jim is this the, the sweet, the clapper sweet, light. The clapper stuff. light. So yeah. nice. Yeah. That's yeah. This scene is super sweet with with him and Sunny Jim. I love it. That's just good parenting right there. You know, play with a clapping light. Um, here's a question about Dougie yeah, that I have. Go ahead. Sorry, no, one second. The 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 part of the scene where Sunny Jim, like he is bracing for his dad to ignore him mm-hmm. when he yeah. goes upstairs because Aww. he goes into the other room. Yeah, that fucking because it says so much about the actual Dougie Jones. Right. Yeah. Um, in a way that 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 hit me pretty hard. <laughs> no, for sure. I, I, I think honestly the best stuff about these scenes is is imagining and thinking more about what the actual Dougie Jones was doing and how he acted around people. Um yeah. it's like a mystery that can't be solved, basically. Or has no solution. Um my question was going to be I know Magellan hasn't watched it, but Ryan, you've watched um, Bojack Horseman, correct? Uh yeah. Have you watched all of it? No, I haven't. So in season five of that show, this isn't a plot spoiler, but they introduce a gag character uh, called Henry Fondler, um, which is basically one of the main characters makes a sex robot because they are asexual and they want to please their their good friend in a sexual way without, you know, engaging with it themselves. So they make a sex robot that has like dildos for hands. It's very silly. But uh, that isn't the extent of the joke because BoJack Horseman is the kind of show that doesn't let a joke just come and go. Um, the... Henry Fondler says he has like a, you know, a voice chip. So he says a lot of stuff like, give me more, give me more. And like, wow, I love it. And all that like kind of sexual goofy stuff. Mm-hmm. The great comedy of it is that everybody in the world assumes he is a person. And so he basically like fucks his, this robot, this sex robot fucks his way up into becoming the CEO of a big company by just like saying sexual <laughs> innuendo out of context. People are like, you want more? All right, what do you want? You want to be CEO? And he's like, give it to me. And they're like, I guess you can be CEO. Jeez, you're so forceful. And I think that's in a way that, not to say that Dougie's a sex robot, but like just there's something endlessly classically funny about a character who does not act or talk like everyone else does, but in everyone in the universe acknowledges and like goes with it. There's, it's almost like something improv-esque. You know what I mean, Majan? Where it's like, I'm going to make this yeah. character and everyone around me is going to believe it, even though the audience watching knows it's nonsense. Yeah, well, and there's an, it, you know, you mentioned improv. There's an improv concept called status where it's sort of like, I mean, I think people have an intuitive understanding of status. Um, I guess a way to boil it down is like who's in charge. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't always conform to like literally whose desk says boss or whatever, right? Because there are scenes where... Dougie's with his boss and Dougie has more status because he's doing things like his boss is his boss reaches out to shake his hand and he just turns all the way around and extends his hand in the other direction (laughs) and like claims all the status just by virtue of like, uh, you know, not really conforming to social norms and kind of just doing things his own way. He commits to his Um, quirk and people like that. Yeah. Or they just like they're like okay yeah i guess you're doing that for a reason and now i need to like accommodate that reason right i just don't know what it is (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, but it's pretty fun to watch 
I think that boils down what I like so much about the comedy of the Dougie scenes is just watching people bend over backwards to make sense of what he's doing and how he acts. Um, mm. The speaking of, there are some scenes where Dougie is low status, um, mm-hmm. especially with Janie E. Like when she's just so pissed at him and. I was really amused by like how much affection Dougie Cooper felt for Jade. Like, oh yeah, Jade. I remember her. <laughs> oh, she's, the, ride. she's the first person I ever met. <laughs> so she's <laughs> cool. Um, and then he just like, you know, Janie is rightfully very upset with Dougie for this whole situation. Um, and then gets a phone call from the people extorting him and he like butts into the phone call and then she's like, you need to stay up and do your work. And the way that he just kind of like shrivels into himself and Dougie Cooper learns what it's like to have relationship problems and like a difficult <laughs> job. Yeah. <laughs> With really, like obligations outside really of the office to too. Like, yeah. He's like, Oh man, life is really hard all of a sudden. I want to, <laughs> Eat chips with Sunny Jim and yeah. t- t- take rides with Jade. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, so he's going over the files in the evening and he starts drawing on them. And this is so fascinating. Like he's drawing. I mostly I saw ladders and lines pointing from things to things. Um, it seems a little bit scattershot and not necessarily like uh, thought of, like you know, considered. Um, mm-hmm. but it is considered he's doing it very deliberately he's like grabbing the pencil and something in him is, and like also when he looks down at the one of the files he sees little green dots suggesting mm-hmm. that like these might be false parts this might all be uh faked for insurance purposes because um, mm-hmm. we saw that he had green light vision before um, yeah which raises the question of uh like when he was in the casino and there were all those symbols above the slot machines that were going to deal out jackpots that felt like there was some sort of otherworldly force like maybe it's mike over there or something you know giving him signals of like go here Mm -hmm. and then the green light could be that but it could also be a sign that like cooper's intuition is exerting itself or something like that like I'm, i'm curious to see how much of this is somebody else still sort of prodding him along versus this being Cooper, like starting to emerge. Well, before this, we get Mike, Mike shows up. Right. Mike does show up (laughs) and says the name of the episode and says, and says the name of the episode. And he like, he like moves his hand around. Yeah. He casts a little spell and he, he says some other stuff too. He tells me he has to wake up. I just wanted to play that because the way that he delivers it sounds really cool. Super cool. Also, we get the stoplight here too. Yeah, yeah. with the noise and everything. <laughs> what? <laughs> with the Excuse noise. me. Yep. <laughs> huh? What are we suggesting? <laughs> you can't just do a stoplight in this show and the scratching noise like those Is things. That mean- allowed? <laughs> yeah, literally. I'm looking at the screen like, wait, 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 wait. Um, last thing on that, by the way, one of the people whose names he circles is Anthony Sinclair. That's Tony. That's the guy who is like, Doug, you owe me, and is clearly. Tom's that's I didn't realize that was Tom Sizemore hilarious um he's like a scummy guy 
we have that implication mm-hmm. already. Um, but Mike appears to Cooper and tells him not to die. He marks all the stuff with scribbles. And then uh, we come back to Albert driving through <laughs> a storm, having a great time. He's not he's, exactly he's singing the in the rain. He's on the phone with Gordon Cole, and I like that this season is, like, making Gordon Cole a little shittier. (laughs) And on the other (laughs) end of the phone, Gordon Cole says, And I will be thinking of you as I drink this. Here you go. Thank you, sweetheart. Fine Bordeaux. (laughs) Fuck you, Gordon. Gordon. (laughs) You dick. Oh, man. (laughs) Um, Uh, Is that just Gordon's being a jerk? Is... Is there a strategy there? Like he and Diane don't have. By the way, we'll talk about that. But he and Diane don't have such a great relationship. Or I think if two people show up at the bar, mm-hmm. it'll be weird. Yeah. And oh, Albert sure. is way more normal <laughs> than Gordon. Yeah, it's yeah. a loud. It's a really loud space. Like, yeah, maybe that's what that is. That's probably the reasoning that Gordon gave to Albert, and he's like, "All right, okay, fine, fine. I'll stay home with my Bordeaux." Um, he goes outside, he hates the rain, and he says the iconic line here. Fuck Gene Kelly, you motherfucker! (laughs) He says fuck in two distinct but really good ways to say fuck. Albert is mostly super chill compared to old Twin Peaks Albert, but he's ready to pull out aggressive Albert at a a drop of a hat. This is Albert after a couple sessions of anger management, and he's like, (laughs) like a couple, like he gave up. You know, or he like got really frustrated. Um, yeah. I thought it's funny that the name of this bar, by the way, is Max Vaughn's Bar. Um, uh-huh. I really was like, is, are they doing a Max Vaughn sit out thing? Is that's the only thing this could be, or it's a pun? I'm not realizing. I don't know. It's it's got a big like a uh, talking horn in front, and well, Albert if you reverse it. the letters, you get Nov Sam, right. and uh, Nov November, of course, yeah. the eleventh month of the year. Um, 11 is a number just like 430 mm-hmm. is a number richard and linda richard and linda listen to, to the sound so i think a lot that's of sounds pretty... in the bar and he's richard and diana's linda bingo Did it. yeah bingo yeah pretty. Oof. well that's the only we, we solved it it's really easy you don't uh, even need to watch the rest of the season yeah we're gonna skip so, breaking news chats gives up yeah <laughs> 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 Uh, he, he goes inside he finds the woman he's looking for she turns around and there she is it's diane yes that diane yeah uh, diane's a person she's a real person okay, i have a question patients. i have a question wait alan yes. played by who sorry this laura is dern well. the legendary yeah. laura dern it's yeah. her with a bunch of makeup and some cool nails mm-hmm. and some cool accessories cool hair yeah. she looks cool as hell very <laughs> yeah. cool love her hair here yeah did you have a wait, question, Magellan? Did you remember? Remember it I, was Diane between. I, I remembered. Me. I remember Diane existed. I think what threw me off okay. when he was like, "I know where she drinks." Is it cuts to the roadhouse right after that? Okay, and so that was the episode. I guess trying to trick me or something. Okay, um, and say like, "Oh, it's somebody living in Twin Peaks who's at the roadhouse." But I, I remembered that Diane was a person because that definitely blew my mind when i first watched the show yeah do you both remember how you felt when you learned that diane is a person that diane was a person yeah well do we know he says diane at this point right yeah i definitely yeah, had a moment yeah. where i was yeah, like yeah. where i was like wait you know and i was surprised and excited by it but 
Laura Dern, in my mind, wasn't... I, like, hadn't seen as many of her films at the time. So I was just like, right. was was The Last Jedi even out at this point? No. I think this was, yeah, I think The Last Jedi was after. Yeah, yeah okay, was so after. this was, like, the it was year... December, yeah. The, this was the year of, like, Laura Dern. The year of Dern. the Dern, yeah. The year of the Dern. Um, um, I know she had, like, brief appearances on stuff. And also, she's in Jurassic Park. But other than that, I was like, who? <laughs> um, <laughs> for me, like... By this point, I had gone through all the David Lynch films. They were, they, they promoted the fact that Laura Dern was in the show. Like they did photo shoots mm. with, with, with Laura Dern, David Lynch, and Kyle McLaughlin, but they didn't say what her character was. Badass. And just knowing that she's a collaborator with Lynch, if Diane was going to be anyone, it was going to be Laura Dern. So, right. I was more surprised as the way, Diane is like presented with the hair and the and the you know fancy makeup and 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 the nails and stuff that was the surprise to me mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but the fact it was Laura Dern like made it like a hundred percent sense to me yeah it's it's also silhouette theory which is basically when you when, the way you know you have a good ensemble of unique characters is when you could see them in silhouette and you'd, you'd instantly recognize them and that hair and that outfit and all of that immediately you're like that's Diane like, I've never seen what Diane looks like, but I suddenly feel like that is who Diane was in my head that Cooper was talking to on the tape recorder all these all these years. Um, it just she's a very it's a great character design. It sounds like from my reading that her that Dern and Lynch worked on this design together specifically, like just the two of them. Mm. And kind of sense. built her character as a collaborative effort. Yeah, that that tracks. Which she also really- just has the voice for it. Yeah. Like yeah. I can't describe her voice, but it definitely sounds like in this scene, it definitely sounds like former FBI agent. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. She's having a drink. She's having a great time. That's all we see of her right now, but I'm really yeah. excited to this, keep track of Diane. I will say, uh, you know, the characterization of Diane here doesn't totally line up with the missing pieces uh, when she's talking <laughs> about who's going to get the sandwiches or whatever or get the coffee. Well, well that's my something <laughs> to keep track of. I mean, that was 1990. Now it's 2017. Like, right, right. It's with been Diane? It's been a while. Yeah. It's been... 25 years since the last episode of the chats files anyways we hard cut <laughs> it's a joke for no one um oh my god i the, just got it good job the burgeoning the not the burgeoning but like the advancement of the logging industry and you're like wait what the log what we're like watching some logging stuff happen this is not twin peaks uh-huh. and uh our creepy our creepy friend uh from before is talking with uh well, first of all, first we see the security guard, Ryan and I's best friend, the guy who's holding a gun, a, like a fucking machine gun or whatever, like he's posing. I said, like he's posing for a Facebook picture where he's like, look at how cool I am holding this gun. <laughs> That's what he looks like. He's smiling with it. He's just like, what's up? Uh-huh. Um, and in front of him is uh, the guy that like we, we were saying uh, Shelly was making eyes at back in part two. Um, mm-hmm. and him and creepy guy are making some sort of drug deal here. Uh, he, it's kind of a bizarre scene. It doesn't really track with anything we know so far other than like creepy guy sucks and is kind of unsettling, but he's actually thrown off by how weird this other dude is. Um, mm-hmm. very weird vibe. Also the guy in classic, like drug dealer villain fashion has, uh, you know, sophisticated tastes. At one point, he asks, uh, did you ever see the movie The King and I? Which, the movie The King and I, hilarious. Uh, and then he says, I said Throwback I liked it. Throwback to Pete Martell. 
from yes. uh, the original series. True. Maybe Ooh, this is Pete's son. I did not remember that. Great That's- catch, man. <laughs> the King and I. Oh, my God. I think David Lynch has seen three plays. <laughs> um, and then it just gets weird. The guy flips a dime into the air, and it lands in Creepy Dude's mouth. But then it's this not in most- his mouth. It's actually in his hand. The most David Lynch scene. Yeah. Like... <laughs> He just wanted to do some fun with editing here. It literally is like, yeah, just let's be weird with editing. And the guy calls uh, our creepy friend here kid, and he gets really mad about that and almost lashes out, but doesn't. Um, and then he's driving, and he's like, I'm not a kid. I'm not a kid. You're a kid. You're and a it's like, wait, am I supposed to like sympathize with this guy or something? And then, uh, no. no. Turns out, no. Turns out just, no. <laughs> you're just an asshole. Before yeah. we continue, um, when I was, when I was, I, recently there was a new X-Files thing and I put it on and I was like, there's a lot of bare naked ladies in this podcast. Whoa. <laughs> What's going on, bud? <laughs> oh, you talking no. to me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, that's the whole thing of the chats files, which you can listen to on, uh, on our Patreon. I'm a big yeah. fan of Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, it started, one of our patrons, Nick, suggested titling every X-Files episode with a Bare Naked Ladies song. <laughs> so it's one of like the you gags. Do, you might run out, though, if you do that. There's a lot of X-Files episodes. I can only hope that by taking so long in between my episodes, I'm giving the Bare Naked Ladies time to produce more music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, you have a list can't... somewhere so that you don't repeat? Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. That's I have a awesome. spreadsheet. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> this guy has a spreadsheet. Um, <laughs> you have access to it. <laughs> oh, you're right. I do have access to it. Uh-huh. Um, but we we pivot away from creepy guys to the new and improved. It literally says the new Fat Trout Trailer Park, which is for all the Fire Walk With Me fans out there. And no one else. Fat Trout Trailer Park is just from the movie. Mm-hmm. Carl Rod is just from the movie. I love how canon the movie is. It's hilarious to me. Um. He's being driven into town by some dude in a truck. Uh, another guy asks to take the ride with him. Uh, he says, Linda needs something from town. Linda? Richard Linda. and Linda? Linda. Okay. Linda. It's, I don't. I, I just remember the fandom also at the time being like, Linda! <laughs> That's it! We figured it out! It's like, no, come on. Um, this to me is just a picture of like, I think this 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 season especially has a fascination with like the different parts of like low income America and what that looks like. And yeah, we're mm-hmm. I really to, like, yeah I really like this scene a lot. Yeah, it, it feels very. This is nice. Like this feels indie movie nice. Where I'm just like, oh, we're sitting in a car talking about money problems and work and stuff. And uh, you know, Carl is like, I uh, you know, I I don't have a lot to live for anymore because I'm an old crusty guy. And the guy's like, no, you're not old. Come on, like. This is just a very honest human moment. Um, well, and and they have a conversation about like the the guy who looks like a bigger Dave Grohl. He talks about. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's so true though. He talks about um, like one of the fish family members. Like they like it took them six months to get a new wheelchair. Yeah, because the family member like has a disability. And so they're talking about how much of a fucking trouble it is with with the government. Like, they it took them forever. They had to fight tooth and nail for a fucking wheelchair. Um, right, right. And they're also talking about like, yeah, like just general like day to day like struggles of of being low income, living in a trailer park. 
it just feels honest and real and empathetic in a way that this show doesn't hasn't quite like gotten to yet and in a way that i appreciated yeah the guy's name is mickey by the way i looked up the actor jeremy lindholm and as we've said a million times on chats before just it's really tough but sometimes you have to separate the actor from the work that they do uh jeremy lindholm has been arrested on in 2017 actually was arrested on charges of domestic assault you hate to see it that sounds terrible from what i'm reading uh don't look into it he's a he's a he's a decent dude here on twin peaks the return uh, and the real world is not this world, but uh, we then cut to the Double R Diner, um, and we have a scene that I need to talk about here. Heidi, uh, Heidi, 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 getting. When I heard that laugh, I'm like, "Let's fucking go!" I'm back. Heidi's back. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, Heidi's Heidi's here. Andrea Hayes is back, uh, and she still works at the Double R with Shelley. They a woman comes in named Miriam to the diner. Uh, and she orders like a bunch of pie and this is like two larger women just like talking and being cool to each other and up until the point where they make the thing about like i just really love your food here their weight is like not commented upon and heidi's has never been commented upon and as a as a big person myself i always am like really uh sensitive to the way that that fatness is portrayed in media um because it just Mm -hmm. isn't or it's a joke 100 percent of the time basically um it's getting we're getting better, but we're still not where I think it should be. Um, but just the, the the comment about like, oh, I just really love your pie. That at, if you stop it there, this feels like it's a joke about wow, this girl loves to eat. Haha. It's not that mean, but it's just like it's kind of like saying yes, big people like to eat. Done. That's the end of it. But then she goes one step further, and Ryan, as you pointed out, she to me uh, before the podcast. She leaves an extra big tip to the point where Shelly is like, she can't afford to give a tip like this. And I think it sort of suggests a kindness, again, amongst, like, women in Twin Peaks and women in general in this world are, like, just, these are nice people who who care about each other and who want to support, like, a business like the Double R, you know? I'm sure it's struggling. Yeah, you Um, get the sense here that it's more than just the food. It's also, like, the company that the -hmm. Double R has. Mm -hmm. So, again, like I said, I'm I'm sensitive to stuff like this, the scene, but I think it, it does mostly land on the on the side of like this is actually pretty good and as you were saying earlier kind of empathetic yeah and then and and then then. we run out of the empathy meter runs out for this episode and we are uh in uncomfortable town i don't think that's true i just think uh this show expects you to have an emotional bandwidth yeah yeah (laughs) that's a little unreasonable sometimes so carl rod is our perspective here he's enjoying a cigarette in the park and he watches a mother play tag with her child which is a really sweet image not something you see every day um and we're cutting back to our creepy friend and he keeps speeding the fuck up he's speeding up in his truck and and then the bad lamenty soundtrack creeps and you're like what's going to happen this is just unsettling uh the kid is trying to cross the street another guy lets him pass the kid walks across the street and our creepy person uh runs him over and kills him instantly um it's awful and then we sit in this scene for about i think 10 minutes um the only person really long time yeah it was like 30 40 minutes i think (laughs) (laughs) i think it was like five hours long approximately uh, the only person who sees who did it was Miriam. That's prob- I think that comes mm-hmm. back at some point. She yeah, makes eye probably, contact with yeah. him as he drives away. And yeah. th- 
And we just we are we're fixated on this. It's the way that everybody in the crowd like stops what they're doing to look on instantly. Yeah, this is like the most extras the show has had, by the way. Seriously, it's just like <laughs> wow, there's extras on this show. Yeah. Um yeah. everybody's looking on, nobody has anything they can do. I mean, the kid's like a hundred percent dead. Carl approaches, and then we get a shot where this really determines how you interpret how you feel about this scene. Well- <laughs> Before he, okay, so Carl um, sees a yellow, orange, like, orb thing that flows up into the sky. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't hit, it doesn't, okay, first thing, this is the same intersection where the ring um, scene in Firewalk with me happens with Mike and and Leland. Leland. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the same intersection. They're calling back to it. Um, it even cuts to the same electricity pole at the end of the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you, you know, the, the orb sort of rises, not quite an orb, but I'm calling it's like it an a orb. cylinder almost, or like a, I don't know, it's yeah, orange. It like floats up, it goes into the sky, but it definitely wants you to focus on the electrical, um, wires up top as well. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Michelle. <laughs> if you read the book, The Secret History of Twin Peaks, you know that there's some some paranormal stuff going on with Harry Dean Stanton in the show. Oh, word. So it's kind of like hinting at that. Yeah. Also, the fact that he sees that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oh, because he like went into the woods when he was a kid and saw yeah. stuff or something. Yeah. Okay. Gross. And he's right. the one that sees this like spirit. Like <laughs> I'm go so up. glad. We had somebody read the secret history of two weeks for us. That makes me so happy that we get that. That's really this funny. is yeah. This is one of the scenes where like made complete sense to me because I'm like, oh yeah, Carl Rod, he was abducted by aliens, of yeah. course. <laughs> and even if you <laughs> even if you haven't read that though, you definitely get the sense that Carl Rod is like in the Stephen Kingian way, uh, like touched by magic a little bit. Yeah, he's like sure, perceptive yeah. in a special way or something. Yeah. Like that. Lynch mm-hmm, yeah. and uh, and King actually a lot of Lynch and Stephen King comparisons here. Um, both of them like yeah. magical old people. Usually St- Stephen King tends to lean towards magical black people uh, <laughs> for mm-hmm. better and mostly worse. Um, but that's what's going on here. Yeah, uh, Carl Rod goes and comforts the mom who is yeah. mourning. No one else knows what to do. I just think that's what the that's what the camera work is telling us here is everybody feels like they should be doing something, and all they can yeah. do is like regard this with shock and horror because. Yeah, there's no yeah, it, it now. It, I will say the music does a lot of heavy lifting because it's really good. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This definitely. I, I agree with what you were saying before, Ryan. Of like as a scene, this yeah. works because totally. it it evokes the same sort of feelings as like the pilot of Twin Peaks in a certain way, where it's like okay, this unexpected horrible thing has happened, and now as a community of people that don't know how to grieve, we have to like figure out what comes next. And then just like, then we have to cut back to, you know, the, the shitty guy and he's cleaning the blood off his truck and he's like, Oh, I told you to get out of the way. It's like, get out of here. But the difference is like, this is not even halfway through the episode. Right. And we still have more to go. Right. More people are going to die. Yes. Yes. This isn't speaking, the speaking of. <laughs> this isn't the period on the episode. It's like, and you know, it being in the same street intersection as as Laura and Leland and Mike's scene. It's like once again, people are on looking and don't know how to help, and it's too late for anybody to help, anyways. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that just comes right back. But then uh, several things happen at once. Uh, back in Las Vegas, um, the guy, uh, uh, what Duncan Todd is the character's name. Uh, mm-hmm. He's and- on his Lenovo ThinkPad. And <laughs> Patrick yes, Bishop. it's straight up a <laughs> literally it at all. Product place, no product so place. <laughs> Collecting checks. He's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna read some comics on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> but he can't read comics because a red square magically appears on his screen, and he's super worried. He unlocks the safe behind him and pulls some files out of it. Um. And why it's a red? Is it a virus? Is it think it's a signal? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's like a message. Because I, I think summons, he's the one. It summons like the spike, right? Because he's the one that sends the pictures to like the spike, right? right. That's yeah. the implication I got. Anyway, I think so. Yes. Um, before we get there, just the scene Ryan mentioned earlier: the police investigate the scene of Dougie's car explosion. His plate landed on the house across the street. They do Shelby, et cetera, et cetera. We already talked about this, and then. We get introduced to some more violence. A uh, short man with an ice pick is in a hotel room. He is rolling some dice and just is recording the results of the dice rolls in a journal. Uh, (laughs) I love to do that to pass the time. (laughs) I can only imagine that Lynch and company were like, we need something for him to be doing. What can he, what's weird? And like, that's the (laughs) only thing. And he's like, I've got some dice. Yeah, I've got some dice. I got a journal. Okay, that? it's actually a it's actually a reference to Hank, who also had dice. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, yeah. sucking on the dice, sucking on the domino. Evil people have side. dice. Evil people love gambling. That's the, my one problem with the return is nobody's sucking on a domino at any point <laughs> yet. Yet, Magellan. Yet. Okay, I guess you're right. Yeah, there's there's quite weird. a few episodes to go. Yes. Um. Someone slides two photos under his door. There's a photo of Lorraine and a photo of the old Dougie. Wait, a photo. Sorry, a photo. And of, who? of course, what happens when we see Lorraine, uh, John? Lorraine. Yeah. <laughs> and then, hell for it. yeah. Okay, we're still looking at the picture. Not so picture. bad. Wow, great picture. I love it. Yeah. What am I gonna do? Should I stab Dougie? Should I? Maybe I'll just listen to this cool song. Yeah, I'm just vibing. And just kind of vibe. No problem with that. Wow, this goes on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew you goes on for so long. I am so glad I watched this episode after we recorded the last one. Because when he pulls out that picture and the music immediately plays, Holy I shit, fucking so I funny. died laughing. So and I needed so to funny. laugh during this episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I mean, comedy. It it was supposed to be funny, right? I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're just supposed to associate the music with this lady. Yeah. I, it felt like the but show I was like. I don't know if it's played for a laugh though. I think it's supposed to be neutral. Okay. I think the show is trying to be like, hey, uh, I know you only saw her once, so you probably don't recognize her on site. So here's this music. Right. <laughs> but she does have a distinctive look. She has the weird makeup and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Heavy makeup. Um, so do they ever say his name is like the spike? Or are we going to learn that that incredible name I don't later? think we I didn't know that, but I could have missed it. But what else um, would you I think, call? I think they do say later, <laughs> it's but it's also okay. in the credits. I'm not gonna call. I'm not gonna call that yeah. one a spoiler because it doesn't hint at anything. His name's Ike the Spike. <laughs> <It's> uh-huh. Awesome. <laughs> um, so Ike 
goes on. Well, actually, I think they before he goes on the adventure, we get the he whole gets Dougie. a picture of Lorraine and Dougie, which now we're like, uh oh, he's going to come gonna kill Dougie Coop. That's not so good. No, a revolving not. a line of assassins hired to kill Goober. Exactly <laughs> is what we're dealing with here. Right, before- Ike the Spike is now like Plan B or C or something yeah. like that. F- evil cooper is fucking gendo and evangelion it's like this is all g- going according to plan he's got the finger the hands the gendo hands too yeah dougie's in his heaven all's right with the world also ike is uh agent 47 uh <laughs> killing people poorly uh so bud mullins calls calls for dougie to come into his office dougie does not know how elevators work by the way um him smiling in the elevator as it opens and closes and his assistant is like no cut we're climbing around. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and it really does seem like Dougie's clowning around on purpose. Yes. Uh, He's just grinning ear to ear. He loves it. That makes all of his scenes much, much funnier. Well, it's also like he's in the Cooper suit, so it's like, here he is, Agent Dale Cooper, just as you remember him. Vibing. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's got his coffee. Everything's good. And uh, Bud asks him, hey, I had you do all those files. What, what did you do with them? Um, how did you? <laughs> and then well, he... one, well, one, he calls him Jones. And Jones? Takes the... <laughs> and he has to say <laughs> Dougie for him to know he's calling him, which is amazing. Yeah, that's pretty funny. If your name is and then, and then this, And then the shady insurance guy is looking out the window. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's sus. He's looking at him. He's thinking about yeah. stuff. Um. The guy looks at page upon page upon page of, of non- seemingly nonsense diagrams and says, Dougie, how do you... This is the best scene in this episode. <laughs> I think it is. And how long it goes really works here. Um, He's just like, what the fuck is this, Dougie? Dougie, how do you make sense of it? And then you get to hear Dougie go... And he's... <laughs> make, make sense of it. <laughs> make sense of it. <laughs> um, and he does. And he does. Bud Mullins has a, jo- a galaxy brain moment. And it doesn't tell us, the viewer, what he's realizing, but we no. understand that Dougie was communicating something very, very serious and important. Mm-hmm. And Mullins up thanks him. He says, "Thank you so much for bringing me this information. I'll investigate it. I, I would, <laughs> I learned a lot from you. You're, you're, you know, you're teaching me a lot today." And mm-hmm. goes to shake his hand. Dougie cannot conceptualize what a handshake is. Turns around, <laughs> tries to emulate a handshake the opposite way, and then Bud is like. You know, you're a weird guy, Dougie. <laughs> Just That's a complete a 180. This scene is fucking incredible. It's really it's good. It's so good. The stuff with him like, in his box Just is perfect. The way Bushnell, like, slowly goes through the papers, and it takes him a minute to, like, catch on to whatever is being conveyed. Yeah. Um, To the point where I'm like, I, I was like, me having seen the show was like, is it this episode where he realized something is up because he's taking a really long time to look at these files. Right. <laughs> it could cut away at any moment, mm-hmm. but then he just like stops. He like, he like notices a pattern and he like examines like other paper and he gets it. And he's like, Dougie, this doesn't leave this room. I'm yeah. just like, let's go. <laughs> he did something so good. good. So fucking good. I'm going to do that my next time my work asks me to bring them some files. I'm just going to draw ladders and lines on over it and hope that they love me a lot. Make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make, make sense. I'm going <laughs> to make sense of it. <laughs> um, more incredible scenes. We, we're putting that <laughs> scene further and further out of our minds. 
Jeremy. Wow, you just said the name. I'm going to bleep it both times, Ryan. Don't you worry your sweet little head. <laughs> I've already planned to bleep it. Um, there's two gangsters that come to visit Janie. She told them, meet me at the park by blank and blank. Uh, I'm wearing the red purse. I'm so happy that Jeremy Davies is here. He's one of my favorite actors, period. Um, he's like my favorite character on Lost. He's just a great... He's got a good... He's the wiry one with the mustache. The one who's kind of quiet. He's like, wow, weird. Hard. Yeah, like, he was, he was really funny. Yeah. Um, and the two of them go up to her and she goes full on Karen mode. And she's like, mind you, this seems made... exactly what Dougie did to make him owe you money. He borrowed it. Yeah. <laughs> I I took the whole scene, but it's like a minute long. But I... I have it. It's so good. Because um, she, she basically negotiates them down from charging like 50% interest to 25% interest. And she and Dougie have way more money than That's this That's what's funny now. about this is they have like 10 <laughs> yeah. times this. And she's like, how <laughs> yeah. dare you ask for 50000 so I, I work at a bank and we get we get one percent. We're happy. You're gonna get twenty five percent because I'm nice and don't ask for more. Yeah, this scene is really interesting to me because she she injects some loaded language into her argument. She at one point says we are the ninety nine percent and like all this stuff, and it's just really fascinating to me because they live in the suburbs of Las Vegas. Right, where Dougie right. has a cushy job at an insurance company, and they just won a bunch of money from a casino, they're fine. Right, but then meanwhile, in Twin Peaks, these like people at the trailer park are like really like subdued mm-hmm. and like, waiting for the insurance to give them a wheelchair. Right, exactly, and I just find that contrast like really fascinating to me. I mean, she's utilizing the language of what she sees on tv right where we talk about like this is in a, a time where people are still somewhat talking about the wall occupy wall street and all that stuff and the concept of the 99 percent versus the one percent is so in the conversation in 2017 so i imagine that genie is somebody who like knows those words but is a little bit too privileged to really be saying them um, right they have mm-hmm. a nice house and one child and like they're doing fine or her husband <laughs> works at an insurance company you're good um but she negotiates them down, and they're just flabbergasted. How do you deal with a Karen who yells at you in a public park when you're trying to threaten her? And they clearly don't know what they're, don't know what they're doing. They don't have weapons. They don't have a thing to threaten her with, and she calls their bluff. She's like, what are you going to do? Fight? Take more from me? Try. Don't ever come to my house again. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> um, but yeah, just really funny and, and great, again, delivery from Naomi Watts. Um, then more violence. Uh, Lorraine is chilling at her desk. The music is blaring. Ike the Spike is here. That's, that's that music is fun. Just so people remember. I like the the and, and like the way it doubles there. That's great. Great mm-hmm. editing. Ike goes around the corner and uh, someone screams. He's killing people. He goes goes full on postal yeah. on our friend yeah. Lorraine. Also, Lorraine's like already on the phone. I think she found out about the other dudes who were probably killed. Also. Mm-hmm. Um, she was then, working yeah. on an escape strategy that didn't make it in time or For some sure. sort of like telling other people what to do before she dies um, this scene would be so twisted if it wasn't for Lorraine's theme playing the whole time for old school hip hop <laughs> uh, still pretty <laughs> twisted it's twisted it's but in like a, com- in a in a joker fied way I think 
Yeah, yeah. He he sees a witness and then kills her, and his pick breaks, and you can distinctly hear Aiko, oh no, <laughs> his pick is broken. He's this man- scene is so close to being a comedy bit that yeah. I wish it was. If there wasn't because so much we, goddamn blood, it would be pretty. If funny. it wasn't yeah. as like gory, and if we didn't get as many like shots of Ike like stabbing Lorraine, like this scene would have been hilarious because mm-hmm. yeah. we have the music, we have we have Lorraine trying to out juke him for some reason. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> good effort, good effort. Um, but then it becomes the most unsettling scene as yeah. Ike is just going ham. Yep. Um. And then yeah, chases after another witness, and then and then this fucking this oh, no. spike breaks, oh, this no. thing breaks I'm in sorry. a way that comes back later, which is ridiculous. Oh, God. Does it? <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyway, yeah, the scene is almost good. Yep. but it just didn't land with me. And um, yeah. John, did you have any other further thoughts on like the spike here? Oh, I mean. I don't really know what to say about this, but like this man's real life body is also like a part of it, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. seems like that was purposeful on the part of the casting and the directing. And that's yeah. like a Twin Peaks recurring thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what more to say about that, but that's going on, you know, Yeah, which also I think detracts from from this scene lynch and company's <sighs> obsession with non-traditional bodies like short people yeah. um yeah it there's definitely some aspect of like this is also funny because it's like that like if he was just a six foot tall dude looked exactly the same face then this scene wouldn't play as funny it's weird the vibe is weird right for can sure. i if i can veer off topic for a minute sure mm. this actor has oh yeah multiple highlight reels or like demo reels mm-hmm. On his IMDb, uh-huh. he's also a drummer, which is awesome. Yeah. Hell yes. He also has done a bunch of commercials, and one of the commercials was like for a dating app. And in that commercial, he talks about he is like lying about his height, and so that they are meeting this this woman on the date, mm-hmm. and then she's like, you know, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not the six feet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know. You know, but if I'd said my real height, I would only meet with with smaller people. Huh. And and I like big women. <laughs> I like tall women. And I'm like, and I'm like, damn. Okay. That, re- that just reminded me of that one. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. You looped it back around. You looped it back around. I do okay, love a big woman. Funny. Okay. That's um the actor's name is Chris I shouldn't try to pronounce his last name. Christoph Zajak Denek. Z A J A C hyphen D E N E K. He hosts a podcast. I don't know if I'm Ooh. gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say the name. It's called I'm Kind of a Big Deal. It's about little people. Hmm. Uh with interesting I stories. Should, yeah. Seems like it's actively updating. Yeah. Um but yeah, we'll we'll presumably we'll see more of of I guess he moves on to try to kill uh our boy Dougie Coop. We come back to Twin Peaks. We get a really strange couple of scenes here. Uh, we're basically in Twin Peaks for the rest of the episode. Hawk drops a quarter in the bathroom stall. It rolls and allows him to find... Dun- it's like a fucking Zelda dungeon or something, the way he's like... <gasps> <laughs> um, what does he find? First of all, the door is so, built by a Native American manufacturing company called Nez Per Se. Yeah. 
Nez Perce, I think. Nez Perce, yeah. Which comes up in the secret history. No kidding. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a <laughs> indigenous uh, group of people who are native to the, this particular area of the United States. I think. Oh, wow. Okay, they yeah. did the research a little bit. Um, um, his coin yeah, also so, has a Native American head on it. Mm-hmm. So this is, oh, it has to do with your heritage. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the payoff, I guess. Kind and of. Hawk is like, naturally, he's like, I got to bring out the crowbar. Uh-huh. And Chad comes in and he's like, what are you doing? Did you clear this with the sheriff? And he's like, get lost, Chad. Shut up, Chad. <laughs> Use the, the ladies, ladies room. room. <laughs> you know, I'll I tell him Hawk. before. It reminds me. It reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen Hannibal. There's an amazing scene where Lawrence Fishburne just yells, Use ladies' room! At like a random person. It's amazing. <laughs> and so Hawk finds, I'm assuming some, they looked like pages. Pages? Diary-sized pages, perhaps? Mm. What do we know? Hmm. What do we know about diary pages we know Lawrence, perhaps the diary's some, missing pages yeah missing pages yeah i listened to uh the sec- not the secret the secret diary of laura palmer i know that there's a chunk of that story that's missing yeah all well, the missing pages mm-hmm. so it's it's just so fascinating like the mechanics of opening a bathroom stall door because we've all been in like eight million bathroom stalls and to see like oh that's literally sheet metal on top of sheet metal like you can just open that yeah <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like so interesting to me i don't know why <laughs> Also, like doing that IRL would have hurt. It's all with yeah, all those it's bolted together, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But he's Gordon Freeman on it. He's hitting it with a, he's breaking it with a crowbar, and uh, mm-hmm. and Chad sucks. Doris comes back, and then we get a scene of Chad sucking the most. Um, Doris, I just back. wish the I wish the episode just ended on this. Yeah, I perfect agree. cliffhanger. You don't need anything else, and yet. <laughs> Well, and yet. there's one moment in this episode that, in this scene that felt weird to me. Well, I'm going to get to it. So Doris is back. She's yelling at, at uh, Frank Truman again about more stuff. She's just angry. Chad is being mm-hmm. terrible to her and saying, like, oh, she's crazy, shitty woman. And then literally the 911 dispatcher is like, their son uh, committed suicide in the army. Why can't you have sympathy? She wasn't like this before. And then Chad, like, makes fun of him and, like, insults him and try- it just does a shitty impersonation. Yeah terrible terrible stuff here yeah and then just like you're a cop you're a, literally a cop um and the officer next to him does seem to show empathy i don't know what's what's up with that guy but it pans over to the guy on the right and he's like huh this is a bad thing. i don't know he seemed like zoned out but why did we focus on him why did the camera go to him oh it's weird yeah, no clue now that we've seen Chad literally being a criminal and also like being a piece of garbage i have no problem saying that i hate I hate this man. He should. He's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Twin Peaks for actually showing us a like corrupt cop because I don't feel like the original show really did that much. Yeah, but it's kind of showing a corrupt cop as like he's the exception to the rule almost. Yeah, like, like most all the other are cops normal, are like he's the weird one. Yeah. So I don't know. Fair. Fair well, point. I mean, Twin Peaks showed corrupt cops. It just didn't view them as evil. Right. It didn't. It didn't go always so far. Do you ha- do you know how many opportunities Harry had to arrest Josie? Right. Right. True. Right. No, that's a very good point. Yeah. Literally, one of the the Trumans. Josie. Like that. Josie. Josie. <laughs> Put it down. <laughs> oh my God, he startled me. <laughs> 
Um, and then we get we get an absolutely stunning performance by Sharon Van Eden playing Tarifa. Uh, yeah, this is my this is definitely my favorite um, Roadhouse performance. Roadhouse one so far. Um, I'm biased because I already love the song. Yeah, but it also suits the episode. I think. Yeah. Uh, I pulled the lyrics up. I'm not going to try an English class this, but uh, it's obviously got the great, the right vibe. Um, it seems like a wistful, romantic kind of song, um, but I like it a lot, and I think people should just listen to it. It's, it's called Tarifa, and it's by Sharon Van Ned, and it's beautiful. Um, that's where we end this episode. So, I don't know. I we don't we don't do ratings here, but this felt extremely like a three out of five episode, maybe a three and a half. Yeah. To yep. me, I just was like, this feels like I'm going to forget this one and zoom on right yep. past it, except for the Sharon Van Den performance, basically, and some of the Dougie stuff. Yep. Uh, final thoughts, notes, questions, comments? Uh, the bright, the, 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 the upswing is like the next episode I remember being like amazing. So, uh huh. Next two. Yeah. Well, yeah. But for different <laughs> reasons. True, yeah. true, true, true. I, we get a lot of without saying anything. We get a lot of plot. Yeah. Next episode, y'all want some meat and potatoes? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get there. <laughs> excited. So yeah. So next time we're gonna be watching part seven of Twin Peaks: The Return, which is called "There's a Body, All Right." Oh God. Do we remember we? who says that line? I already remember. I already know. Okay, you know. It's somebody in uh, North Dakota. Yeah, I was no. going to guess South Dakota people. South Dakota, rather, yeah. I'm going to guess it's the coroner lady who's really funny. <laughs> I, hope, I hope so. No, based on the way it's worded, like, there's a body, all right, I'm going to say it's the, what's his face, the detective. The buck well, we're on the We're on the correct ballpark because we already know that the FBI, is the FBI that's on their way to... Track yeah. down those Briggs fingerprints? Yes, I believe that's it. Oh, it's the well, the Air Force lady, right? Okay, yeah. Oh. They're already, because, because they're going in assuming nothing's going to be there. So Yeah, you're right. right. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Good stuff, good yeah. stuff. Uh, there is a body, all right. And there is a plug zone. Ryan, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at BluestRose430 on Twitter. Amazing. Uh, let's, I'll do the plugs on this time, John, if they, if you don't mind, Habibo, go for it. Habibus. Um, let me pull it up. Here it is. Folks. Chatspot at gmail.com is the number one source of emails to us. C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D is how you spell that word. At Chatspot is our Twitter account. We post all sorts of updates about the show and when new episodes come out. We have a community run subreddit, which is r slash chatspod. Um, that's where we are re-listening to old chats episodes with our homies, um, and if you have the chance, please do a couple of things. Rate us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. That's how people hear about the show. Really trying to get the audience expanding for Peaks Chats and beyond. So that's much appreciated. And if you like our work and you want to help us continue to podcast and and hopefully uh, you know do it long into the future, consider checking out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash chatspod. Uh, over there, we have all sorts of bonus content. As mentioned before, Magellan's doing a solo X-Files podcast called The Chats Files. Uh, we have film commentaries if you want to listen to old movies. David Lynch's Dune, for example, is a recent one that I like a lot. Um, and we have uh, pilot chats where we pilot shows that become future chat shows. And uh, Chats Nights where we do all sorts of fun games and sometimes we just talk to each other because we're best friends. Um, if you support us at $5 or more, you get a thank you at the end of the episode. 
And right now, I'm going to thank the following people. Cat, Marcus, Nick and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Fendon, Six, Stefan, Jen, Magellan's mom, and new patron, Arthur, from Full Metal Analysts. Thank you, Arthur, for supporting Chatspot. Uh, chatspot.com is the number one source for all things chats a television podcast and thank you to camilla for doing our podcast art she is camilla strader on all the social media platforms all right it's time for chat uh, oh wait i just also want to sh- uh, say shout out to michelle on the secret history episode um also from from Atlanta, it was great great episode i as someone who read that book like five years ago or whatever um you pretty much nailed everything that was important in that yeah. book, and I was delighted about. <laughs> I was delighted about y'all's reaction to some of the more ridiculous <laughs> stuff in that book. It's a really, really fun episode, and yeah, Michelle carried that that whole thing for us. It was awesome. He, he's going to carry that weight, as they say. Uh, <laughs> we have chatsums here at the end. If you're still listening and you want something to do or enjoy, and then the next week uh, before the next chats episode, we have some recommendations for you. Uh, Magellan, would you like to go first? Um, I need to. We've recommended Patrick H. Willems before, right? We must we have, have. But you can recommend Damn. a specific video if you want. Um. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So okay, I'll I'll give kind of a repeat chatsum and kind of a new chatsum. Uh, I had to write a lot of letters of recommendation today. And uh, there were two things that helped me to power through that process. One of them, this is the repeat chat sum. Uh, YouTuber Patrick H. Willems has a lot of great movie-related video essay films, I guess. He's a lot more filmic than, you know, your standard video essayist that does a montage eclipse or whatever. Um, so if you haven't checked out Patrick H. Willems, he does really, really great uh, thorough videos. And one of the newer ones I watched today was his, his video on the police Academy series of films. I've never seen any of them, but now I feel like I have a very nuanced take on all of them. Thanks to Patrick H. Willems. Uh, so he was like, you know, what I was watching during my breaks today. And, uh, from a productivity perspective, the thing that helped me out was, uh, the Pomodoro technique. I'm sure People, a lot of people probably know it, but it's a productivity technique where you set 25 minutes to focus and work, give yourself a five minute break, 25 minutes of work, five minute break, back and forth, back and forth. It tricks your brain. It makes your brain think, I'm only going to work for 25 minutes. It's easy. No problem. And then you're like, just kidding. Gotcha. (laughs) You're going to work for more time than that. Uh, um, But it, it uh, it works and and it got me to do some stuff I'd been procrastinating on uh, uh, and get it done. So here's my thing. Good. First of all, Patrick Kitchell is amazing. I just also watched his video about how to make a short film or how to make a movie, and that one was really great because um, he's working on a feature film ep- length episode. My funny thing to say about the Pomodoro method is that when you showed it to me and I recently discovered post grad that it works. It wouldn't have worked for me in college because I was too distracted, but. Now it's like so useful for me that I almost don't want to tell people about it because I'm like, no, this feel- <laughs> this is a cheat code. You're not allowed to have this. And it reminds me uh, today, my mom at dinner, was, I'm like going to tease my mom a little bit here. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. Um, she, I recently had to like get her an Uber to get from somewhere back to get back home. 
and uh-huh. she was like i was telling she was telling uh my aunt about uber and she's like yeah you can pay 20 dollars and go home and then my aunt was like don't tell people about that that's too good of a that's too good of a deal i was like mom people have been using uber for literally a de- literally just uber for a decade let me tell you about taxis yeah. she like was floored by the rate and thought it was so secret. funny it's like god bless um, but really yes, great. Pomodoro Technique and Patrick Willems. Love it. Ryan, do you have yeah. a chat, son? I do. Um, speaking of children being killed in <laughs> fictional small oh, towns. Oh, good. <laughs> um, this week, I am recommending the podcast Just King Things, um, which is a podcast hosted by Cameron Kunzelman and Michael Lutz. They are reading every Stephen King novel in publication order every month. Um, so they, they have 18 episodes right now. The last one was on Christine. Um, it is a really good podcast. They do a really great job of explaining the book, explaining their thoughts on it and, and summarizing the entire book. So you get an idea of what the book is and their criticisms without necessarily having to be familiar with the text. Um, and I've read a handful of Stephen King books because of it, because sometimes I will listen to that episode and I'll be like, this actually sounds good. I want to read the book. Mm. Um, so if you're interested in Stephen King or like horror in general, um, check out Just King Things. It's a great podcast. Michael and Cameron have a great rapport and they're a great critic. So, um, yeah, wholeheartedly recommend Just King Things. One of the best podcasts for me right now. I'll actually co-chat some of that because um, you had recommended their discussion of The Stand, uh, Ryan, to me when we were doing The Stand for our podcast. And that episode definitely helped inform my like ability to discuss the miniseries and compare it to the book because I didn't read the book. Um, yeah. But yeah, they they do really, really good work over there. So They also have a Patreon, the Range Touch Patreon, and they do bonus episodes every month as well where they talk about an adaptation of... Right. Of the thing. of the book that they're covering, and they they go through all of the well, at least a lot of the miniseries stuff they they talk about. Uh, Cameron is dedicated to like watching all of the um the commentary tracks, yeah. from like directors and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of insight there. Um, it's just a really fun time. I really like listening, and they're to both it, so. coming at it from an academic perspective too. So yep, it's uh, yeah. really well researched and well done. Good yep, pod. That's great. Um, my chatsome is one I'm really, really surprised I haven't chatsomed before, but I just searched our document and I don't see any mention of Defunct Land. Um, Defunct Land is a YouTube channel uh, that focuses on things that no longer exist, so to speak. Um, mainly things involving theme parks and Disney, uh, but also just theme parks from around the world and weird failed projects, whether they be television like Carmen Sandiego or or actual physical attractions uh really fascinating and uh uh kevin purge purger the person who is the narrator and like creator of defunct land super talented great voice um i want to specifically recommend their latest video on disney's fast pass um it's just disney's fast pass a complicated history uh it's a feature length video it took me several days to watch it it's an hour and 43 minutes but just super specific topics. If you, for example, like how Scott the Waz can dig into video games things that nobody else thinks about, uh, Defunct Land can like pull things out of your nostalgia brain and be like, did you want two hours about uh, the big comfy couch TV show? Well, actually 26 minutes, but still, <laughs> he's got your back. 
Uh, so that's Defunct Land on YouTube. Uh, wholeheartedly recommends here. That's what we got. That's the podcast. Thank you, everybody. I love to say thank you. But John, thank you for being the red square to my Lenovo ThinkPad. And, <laughs> and Ryan, thank you for being the the king to I. <laughs> 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 and thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of Peaks uh, Chats. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Damn fine podcast. <laughs> Let's ride out to this because I don't the think the last time we can do it. Rest in peace, Lorraine. Rest in peace, Lorraine. We love you so much. You were never a character. <laughs> Should we shout out the song that this is sampling from? This is sampling "Good Man" by uh, uh, Raphael Sadiq, I think. Yeah, Raphael Sadiq. Um, good song. Yeah, yeah. I did not realize it was a sample, sped up or whatever. I'm gonna do a quick remix right now. Okay, give two rides. Bet she did. Whoa. That worked out so well. That was really clean, yeah. (laughs) Super clean edit.